Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Hello and welcome to Nerdette Recap's Game of Thrones with Peter Segel. I'm Greta Johnson. I'm Trisha Bobita and we are joined by Peter Segel. The now famous Peter Segel because... We got written up in the Chicago <laughs> Tribune. I, as these ladies know, was hoping that we'd become famous when Weiss and Benioff, the showrunners of Game of Thrones, would hear our brilliance and invite us to take over from them. Mm-hmm. You know, in the I was of, ready. Yeah, we were all ready to go. We had great ideas for season seven. <laughs> but instead, uh, the Chicago Tribune wrote us up, not for our Game of Thrones wisdom, but because of our discussion of you guys lying to me <laughs> last week about when we started. This, like this is what it. we're famous for. As empowering you. Empowering me. Yeah, man. We're, this is for you, Peter. <laughs> yes. We're no- helping you here. Knowledge is power. Incorrect knowledge is a different kind of power. <laughs> I mean, it did make me feel a little like Littlefinger. To be like, <laughs> tell him to come at this time. Yes. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> Littlefinger saying, yes, the taping starts at 8.30. Yeah. yeah. Send the raven. <laughs> Anyway, so That's now we're now we're in the Chicago Tribune, being <laughs> respectively dishonest and monstrous. So and, congratulations, and you know ladies. And you know what, Peter, you were almost on time today. <laughs> yes, you were well, so close. I was getting there. You were so close. Oh. Uh. All right, today we are rehashing season five, episode eight of Game of Thrones. This is your spoiler alert. Auga. <laughs> Also, the reminder that, yes, this will be HBO rated, as the show is, and the episode was called Hard Home. Yes, this will absolutely be HBO rated because that Why? one line where they're translating yes, the giant was, in the old that tongue. Was, that was your humorous it joke. Was, it made me so happy. It was very funny. We'll get to it. Yes. We'd also love it if you checked out our latest episode of Nerdette Proper, which features Neil deGrasse Tyson, y'all. Whoa. Yeah, right? He's charming. He is so charming. He, he might actually be king of the nerds, Peter. I'm sorry. I don't know if he's actually – he's too good-looking, charming, and sort of smooth to be a nerd. No, but, but that's what's so good about him. Yeah, he's, he's the like, perfect he's like a nerd, nerd ambassador. He's like if, if, if a cheesy Hollywood movie depicted nerds, they'd cast somebody like him to play the nerd as opposed to an actual nerd. <laughs> oh, but that's he is true, an maybe. actual nerd. He's a scientist. Yeah, man. He's a distinguished astronomer. <laughs> so, Peter, would you go to Mars? That's our question. Would I go to Mars? Yeah. Would I go to Mars and the assumption is then die there? <laughs> isn't that the I don't question? Know. You can do whatever you want on Mars. Well, no, isn't it? But isn't, aren't you guys talking about the, the fact that there's this idea that we can get to Mars, we just can't get back, so we're asking people if they would? I mean, I guess. I, more in general, I think it's are you the sort who would be up for space travel? Um. It's a little bit like this. I used to think of myself it would be really fun to be like a pilot and zip around. And then I got to go on a private plane and I threw up so hard. <laughs> so my my dream of flying through space like Chuck Yeager kind of crashed when we looked at the reality of me. And I have a feeling that the same thing would apply to space flight. That I would say, yes, I would like to be an astronaut. You want me to sit in there for how long? I think would be the problem. In my own vomit? <laughs> yes, exactly. By the way, uh, nerdy, th- nerdy thing, if you haven't read it, all nerds listening, particularly scientifically inclined nerds, should read the novel The Martian. By so we also talked to Andy Weir in this episode. About The Martian? Yeah, yeah It's man. a great book. It's, it's a such su- a good book. It's such a great space nerd book, and it's going to be a movie by Ridley Scott with Matt Damon. Exactly. And it's very, I'm very excited about that because it's he, true space nerdery. Andy Weir, he would also be with you and never want to go to space because he's terrified of flying. Is Commercial he? flight. Isn't that Doesn't great? want to fly. Yep. He doesn't. I mean, we are obviously getting way off topic for <laughs> yes. Game of Thrones. Yes. But he, if you think you want to go to Mars, read that book because it's not that pleasant No, there. it's actually kind of boring. Yeah. It's, just, <laughs> it's like if you want to go to Mars, just go to like, you know, some serious desert and hold your breath for a while. And listen to disco. Right. <laughs> I don't know if disco is intrinsic to Mars. No, but it was in The Martian. True. <laughs> Anyway, that is in our regular episode of Nerdette, which you can find on our website. Now let's get down to the nitty gritty, shall yes. we? Yes, because no racks, no butts, no time for that because no, the White no. Walkers are here. No. <laughs> well, technically, the White Walkers are – no, I was going to say the White Walkers are topless, but that's not true. They're dressed pretty well. One of the weird things <laughs> I ended up with the episode uh, – after the episode was where do the White Walkers shop for clothes? They have excellent tailoring. They do. I mean, seriously. Uh, Only the lieutenants. Very fitted. Yeah. It's very what fitted they died look. in, isn't it? I assumed it well, was what they died in. Well, you in. think the White Walkers are corpses. You think that the White Walkers themselves 
are reanimated corpses of some kind, or they are an other kind of being. So others, this is as they a good question. Them. So are there two different sorts of things then? There are, is that what in you're my saying? view, there are two different sorts of things. There There's are the like white the walkers, zombies. which are another race okay. entirely of creature, and then there are the uh, reanimated uh, zombies or whites, as they are called. Okay. In the book. Okay. Right. Debbie. So yeah. So you want to know about the thing. white walkers? W i g h t. Okay. <laughs> So it seems like they turn some people into the corpse zombies that are very Jason and the Argonauts. Very Jason and the Argonauts. Very nice Ray Harryhausen reference. (laughs) Thank you, sir. Trisha, you've been commended by Peter Seidel. Good work. Don't get used to it. (laughs) I was very into Greek mythology as a child. No one is surprised. Um, (laughs) But I think that there's, right, those corpses. And then at the end, I guess we're starting at at the... are we just going to do no, this? No, I think no, we, we need start to start from the beginning. Because we're, we're two episodes in one, right? Need, you I have mean, a standard Game of Thrones episode in which you have like this story, this story, this story, this story, pushing it forward. And then the last, I think it's somebody timed it as a 15-minute sequence. So brutal. It was pretty intense. Yeah, I, th- I think we should start from the beginning, partly because if we don't, then we really will just come to the conclusion that none of it matters anyway because of the White Walkers. Well, that yeah. is an interesting question, but we'll, let's get to that when we, we get to that. We will get to that. I think we ought to. And yes. I would also like to reassert that these episodes are not ideal to watch at 6.30 a.m. on Monday. I'm just going <laughs> to say Why are you it. doing that? Because I keep thinking it'll be easier to wake up at 6 and watch them than to stay They're up at 9. They're on at 8 o'clock Central Time. What is your life that you can't stay up till 9 o'clock? I mean, Thank you, Peter. <laughs> this is my question. All right. I'll try it next week, okay? Okay. I'll try it next week. And we'll, well see no, how much seriously, better I, I think we need to take a little interregnum and talk about Greta Johnson's life. What are you doing that you can't stay up till 9 p.m.? I did you're, stay up till 9 p.m. Young, you are a young person. I you did sp- stay up until 9 p.m. And I read Judy Bloom, And it was beautiful. <laughs> what? <laughs> she has a new book out. She has a new book. It's her uh, first novel in 15 years. I'm Judy Bloom. I, you have no argument with me about the wonderfulness of Judy Bloom. She's wonderful. But you're a 30-year-old woman, Greta. It's you're, true. You're, you're it's reading true. Judy Bloom. Were you wearing your footy jammies? No, I don't have footy jammies, but that is the next step, obviously. Clearly. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, anyway, it's a rough start to the no, week. No, yes, is all I wouldn't I'm recommend saying. it. Okay, so yeah, here we are. Let's start from the beginning. We've got Jorah, Tyrion, and Danny, right? Yeah, pretty much as we predicted when we were talking about that, you know, chair, that empty chair in her council chamber, the one with the it's kind of high, so we can reach the table. That's what it's about. I shall be your advisor. Will you be my advisor? Lots of chat. There was that. Every now and then, they say something explicit, not. Sexually explicit, <laughs> but explicitly themed. And I'm always taken aback. They actually said that. Two terrible children of terrible fathers. Yes, that was great. You know, that's like laying it out there uh, for all Game of Thrones, basically, is about terrible children of terrible fathers. And there they met. Can I, I also want to say this, which is that a while ago, a few episodes of our podcast ago, I cast doubt on uh, the actress playing Daenerys, whose name I cannot remember. Mm. Amelia Clerk. Thank you saying that she didn't really have the way I put it, base notes of command. Somebody wrote in and said, that's sexist. Oh, yeah. You changed so, okay, it to fine. tenor, the, right? al- No, the alto, alto notes right. of command, making it more appropriate for a woman. Uh, whether or not she got it, whether or not she was setting me up to feel that so she could go someplace else as an actress, whether the director changed, she's got it now. I think she's really being quite steely, and I, I, I applaud her as that an actress. That back and forth was oh, great. Oh, it was good. Yeah. It was really fun. Yeah, I, I did find... It to be mildly tiresome when, you know, she asked Tyrion what she should do about Jorah, which I thought was entirely reasonable. But when she banishes him and it's like, Jorah, sad face. We've seen this before. I just found it really (laughs) irritating. Yeah. And it's like, come on. He's not, you know, that that was sort of a a boring choice to end that otherwise interesting scene. Yeah. If if there were one storyline out of this episode that I could have just eliminated altogether, it would have been Jorah. And I would have been totally okay with that. Although... Were you the person or was it Trisha who were not saying, oh, don't we get another big fight? I want another big fight in the pits. That was me. That was and you. We well, will, you're yeah. going to get it. And he's mm-hmm. going to die for her, right? Well, you think he's going to die I, for I, her? I, judging by the spread of grayscale on his little wrist, I do not think he has <laughs> much. On his dainty wrist. On his dainty wrist. I don't think Jorah, I don't think we'll be seeing lots of uh, Ian Glenn, the actor in season seven. So do you think we're going to see the great games within oh, the next yeah. two episodes? You oh, think yeah. Is, yeah. I think that's, that's yeah. yeah, that is totally being set up. All right. Yeah, well. Why did, by the way, why did Jorah flip his little coin back at the slave guy? Was he saying, like, take your money back or this is the money you paid me? Or I don't know what that was. I guess it was – that's how I read it was uh, I don't need this money because I'm willing to be a slave again. Yes. You don't need money if you're a slave, I guess, right, right. Is, the, is the idea there. Oh, and shout out, by the way, to the bad gladiator – excuse me. 
the bad gladiator. Say that eight times fast. Bad gladiator. Bad gladiator. In the background, you were like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> Which, as I've said before in another context, was how, was how I'd be. Like, ah, ah, oh, don't hit me. Because they need to Robin. establish. They brought Robin, they brought they brought Robin, Robin back. <laughs> that they needed to establish why Jorah would be a good idea for the slave master. But, yeah, getting back to Tyrion and, uh, and Daenerys, yes, two smart people who we've really wanted to see get together, talk, be smart together, and they are being smart together. Their dialogue just crackled. They just clearly enjoyed it. The actors was a great bit. Although, I will say, given Tyrion's very long introductory monologue, including that great line, you know, what is it? I'm the greatest Tyrion, uh, I'm the greatest Lannister killer of our times. Yep. I, great speech. Perfect for the scene to establish who he was and how he needed to do what he needed to do. But I found, again, Peter Dinklage's fake English accent <laughs> so yes. distracting. Yes. Yeah. The longer his sentences go on, the harder it is. I did also love the line, killing and politics aren't always the same thing. Aren't always the same thing. Yeah. So and, many good lines. And a real shout out to Varys, who we don't really know where Varys is. He got left behind when Jorah stole Tyrion. But now Danny is, I think, pretty convinced that this person who she thought was masterminding her demise has actually been keeping her alive her whole right. life. Yes. I also really liked, if I want jokes, I'll get myself a proper fool. Yes. Yeah. And that was... We're so, going to need that more was a wine. Little, that was a little heightist, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, there was a little, there was a little... I mean, I think they probably thought about, you know, making a little joke about, you know, what usually short people around Queens are doing, but... I'm glad they restrained. But, I mean, again, I always think about the writers. This episode was written by Weiss and Benioff, the showrunners. Uh, clearly, it was a climactic episode in this season, which has been somewhat lackluster, as we all agree now. And these guys needed to bring it for these uh, scenes between the two of them, and they did. So, yay. They absolutely have. Yeah, the point where they're discussing all the different families in the Seven Kingdoms. Yes. And Spokes how... on a wheel. Spokes on the wheel. Yeah, I thought that was really pretty perfect. I mean, that sums to it all smash it. Especially when the wheel doesn't matter because yes. White Walkers, but we'll get there. Yes. <laughs> I fought so that no child born into Slaver's Bay would ever know what it meant to be bought or sold. I will continue that fight here and beyond. But this is not my home. When you get back to your home, who supports you? The common people. Let's be generous and assume that's going to happen. Here in Slaver's Bay, you had the support of the common people and only the common people. What was that like? Ruling without the rich. House Targaryen is gone. Not a single person who shares your blood is alive to support you. The Starks are gone as well. Our two terrible fathers saw to that. The remaining members of House Lannister will never back you, not ever. Stannis Baratheon won't back you either. His entire claim to the throne rests on the illegitimacy of yours. That leaves the Tyrells. Not impossible. Not enough. Lannister, Targaryen, Baratheon, Stark, Tyrell. They're all just spokes on a wheel. This one's on top, then that one's on top, and on and on it spins, crushing those on the ground. It's a beautiful dream. Stopping the wheel. You're not the first person who's ever dreamt it. I'm not going to stop the wheel. I'm going to break the wheel. That was such a great scene, you know, button, as, as you used to say in playwriting. I mean, to smash it, end scene. And yep. again, Perfect. like in regard to exit lines, our discussion last week, wouldn't it be great if you could just say, that's the line, turn off the camera, scene over. <laughs> We're done. I mean, to smash it. Because in real life, you know, she'd say, I mean, to smash it. Well, great. Shall we meet again tonight? <laughs> wine? I need to use the chamber pot. May I do that? You know, that's what happens in life. That's why we all need editing. <laughs> so it's fitting then to move on to King's Landing where we have Dirty Cersei. Dirty Cersei. I will we talked about this before that you know weight of excuse me weight of thrones game of thrones sorry <laughs> confusing my jobs. Game of Thrones is a show that makes you hate people and then really really punishes them until mm -hmm. you feel bad for them and mm -hmm. isn't that what's going on with Cersei? Yeah, we have a couple of really good voicemails about that we'll get to later. Okay, great. But it's also true I noticed this and I actually I watched the episode twice. <laughs> Because I was afraid I missed some stuff early on. And uh, one of the things I noticed the second time through was when, I believe it's Kyburn, right? The, yep. the defrocked maester comes to talk to her he, and she says, well, what are they charging me with? And, and she says, The High Sparrow will be presenting a substantial case against you. The charges? Fornication, treason, incest, the murder of King Robert. All lies. Of course, you're Oh, that's oh, everything that's... she's actually done. Yeah. So those of you out there who are like, when is Cersei going to get you know, going to get it, well, here she is. They know everything, which means presumably that Lancel knew everything or somebody else knew everything. But there you are. Everybody, somebody knows everything about Cersei. 
and she's quite dirty. I mean, it makes sense that Littlefinger would have figured everything out. That's true. Like Littlefinger knows that. everything. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he does. And did you, were you, when she, that mean nun, do we have a name for the mean nun? Oh, she was so good. She's, She's very, very mean. mean She's I very mean nun. Oh, mean <laughs> nun. If I, had been, if I had grown up Catholic and gone to Catholic school, I would have been having combat flashbacks. <laughs> but when she spilled that water on the, on the concrete, whatever it was, and I was sitting there going... She's going to lick it. Are they going to make her lick it? They, oh, they're making her lick it. Oh, that's bad. I would like that's to use good. the verb slurp. <laughs> I think it's slurping Cersei. Slurping, slurping Cersei. It's like a little desk toy. Yeah. It's like one of those drinking birds. Oh, it's your little slurping Cersei. <laughs> yeah. That's so yeah. nice. Yeah. She like, dips her face in the water and cries. And, oh, that's terrible. <laughs> well, here we are. Yes. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Welcome back to Nerdette Recaps Game of Thrones with Peter Sagal. I'm Trisha Bobita along with Greta Johnson. And wait, wait, don't tell me, it's Peter Sagal. Anything else before we get to the... From King's Landing? I don't think no, so. No, no, we have to go back up quickly to, um, to Winterfell, where we have the scene between uh, Sansa and, T- not Tyrion, I, you know, he refuses to Reek. remember his name, Reek, who used to be Theon. Why, Theon? Why are you being this way? What did he do to you? And we get a little bit of him recounting the torture yes. that he had. Which is interesting because it's the first time in a long time that he has spoken as himself. Yeah. Well, and he still did it in the third person, which was really interesting. Yes. But he's still, I mean, you've got mm-hmm. a sense of like what his inner monologue is, mm-hmm. which in the book you get a lot, but obviously because it's presented as his inner monologue. But here you just get a little, which is like, you know, he cut me away. I mean, he just, the, the torture was so immense that he quickly learned what he had to do to make it stop is basically where he is. And he lives in constant terror of the torture being revisited onto him, which kind of makes sense given what he's been through. Well, and that that line too, I deserved everything. I deserved to be reek, I thought was really, I mean, it was a little bit of him showing regret for things that he had done in the past, which is really important with his relationship with Sansa, right? I mean. If it weren't for you, I'd still have a family. If I could do what Ramsay did to you right here, right now, I would. I deserved everything. I deserved to be weak. I did terrible things. Turned on Rob. Captured Winterfell. Killed those boys. They weren't those boys. They were Bran and Rickon. They were your brothers. You've known them since they were born. They weren't. They were only... Only what? I can't. Tell me. I can't. Not unless the master says... Tell me. They weren't what? (laughs) They weren't. Tell me why Bran and Rickon should be gone while you still breathe the air. Tell me to my face, Theon. Tell me that they weren't your brothers. They weren't Bran and Rickon. I couldn't find them. It was too far, boys. Killed them and burned them so no one would know. You didn't? Do you know where they went, Bran and Rickon? I can't talk to you anymore. Theon, you have to tell me. Do you have any idea where they Not Theon! Reek! I was reading another um, recap, and this particular recapper was very annoyed with how many scenes we've had to endure. I guess the last three seasons, really? Of Theon being tortured. And I totally get that because, man, they got repetitive after a while. What are we going to do to Theon this episode? Oh, God. One way you could look at it is they're setting him up for the greatest sort of redemption moment, probably fatal, of the entire TV series because, man, he has been put through hell. So if and when he stands up to Ramsay and does something heroic, we will know exactly what it takes for him to do that in a way that you don't usually get in that kind of, you know, TV moment of heroism. Is Theon Snape? Is Theon Snape? That question has never been asked before, and I admire you for asking it. I've always thought Snape and Littlefinger were 
more oh, like. Oh, okay. I could see that. Well, <laughs> this is a spoiler for Harry Potter, but Snape, as we found out later, was good all along, and we didn't know it. He was just sort of an unpleasant good character. Right, but we thought he was real bad for a while. We did. Well, that. and with Baelish, right, we have someone who was weirdly obsessed with someone's mother and then has a strange relationship with the mm. child because of their strange relationship with the mother that was never consummated. So that's where the little finger Snape connection comes in. But we digress. Oh, yes. <laughs> that is actually a more tangible connection. I, I think I think actually I cannot think of another analogy, and this is projecting forward to a moment that has not yet come and may never come, in which Theon actually stands up and defies Ramsay and does something brave. I cannot think off the top of my head of a moment in which you see a character do something which the cost to him will be so vivid. I mean, we've constantly seen TV shows and movies in which guys selflessly th- and ladies throw away their lives. But it means nothing because their characters and death is something, as we talked about in regard to contrast to rape, is something we see all the time in TV and movies. So we don't really care about it. But if Theon actually stands up to Ramsay, knowing how terrified he is, knowing the, the incredibly physical nature of his torture and what he's willing to endure to do something good. If he does it, it will be meaningful. Yeah, he would become a very good tragic hero. It's yes. true. More so, I think, than Snape. So as one th- tragically heroic as Snape This was. is fair. So one thing we missed from last week that people did shout out to us, mm-hmm. speaking of Sansa, that we should mention is the thing she picked up. Yes. When she was talking to Theon. I had to watch again. Or when she was to, talking to Ramsay. What she does, just in case you missed it, as I did the first time, as she's coming out, she hasn't yet seen the flayed servant yet. But she's, all she knows is she's being let out to meet her husband. <laughs> Shout out to Dan Savage who says it that way. Um, she grabs husband. something that looks in the very, very brief glimpse like a corkscrew. Like yeah. one of those, uh, you know. It's a you, shiv. It's a northern shiv. It's a northern shiv. <laughs> it looks like one of those old-fashioned corkscrews that just has the corkscrew and then the the, the the perpendicular wooden handle. That's what it looked like. Looks good for stabbing. It, and what's interesting to me is if they're really trying to establish it, they didn't give it a longer shot. It yeah. was really quick. Yeah, I missed it. Yeah. So, yeah. So she's got a sharp object about her somewhere. The That's other thing that was interesting in that scene, great close acting between uh, Sophie Turner and Alfie Allen in yeah. that scene. But the moment that I thought was great that you could have sort of glanced over is that when he walks in with the meal, yeah. he immediately turns toward the bed because every other time he's come in since right. her wedding night, she's been crying in bed. I saw that. And he has this moment where he's startled because she's up and she's dressed and she's ready to fight back. Yeah. And it was subtle, but she's it was her being ready to take on whatever's coming next. Yeah. She's out of bed. Yeah. She's out of bed. That is pretty cool. Yeah, I know. It did occur to me, though. I mean, I, I had talked in praise of the, the scene pace, the pace of the scenes in prior episodes. Like, wow, they're really taking their time to let scenes develop. That's great. But the other flip side of that is it's taken many, many episodes for these story arcs to move. We've been waiting so long now for Sansa to do something. And every time we've had this podcast, we said, oh, look, Sansa did a little thing. She got out of bed. We literally... Or even like, oh, we missed the thing that that Sansa did did because it happened so quickly. We have been... (laughs) We started the season with Sansa wondering what she would do. We are now two episodes from the end of the season and we just praised her for getting out of bed and getting dressed. Mm. That is the that is how <laughs> slow this plot has progressed. <laughs> All right, so we need to head north, but we should talk about Arya for like two seconds. Oh yeah, I did really love that she's selling oysters. She's selling oysters. Yes, doused in vinegar and, and soon poisoned. 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 So, but there was a lot of there was a lot of sort of interesting questions. It took me a while to figure out what. The thin man is the target of her presumed assassination. Mm. He's an insurance agent. He's an insurance agent. Which is so weird. It's like this guy has invented the insurance business. (laughs) In Bravos. In Bravos. (laughs) Yep. And he must be killed. And I'm like, having dealt with insurance agents, I'm down with that. Yeah, man. Um, And and I I couldn't figure out what the the dynamic was with that ship's captain who came up. It's like, please, uh, please, my children. Insure me. Insure me. And, and he had to be dragged away by yeah, thugs? Yeah, I don't get why they dragged him away. Yeah, because they turned down his insurance business? That was a little strange. But <laughs> so it also positions like – so let me get this straight. So so the, according to Jagan Hagar, the idea is like this guy took out – accepted an insurance policy from a ship's captain. He's not paying out the insurance policy. So the destitute um, wife and daughter of this presumed dead captain have hired – the servants of the many-faced god to kill the insurance agent. I bet they which haven't solves what? I bet they haven't hired him. I bet they have 
asked the many-faced god to take care of it. Yeah, and so I'm and just I mean, saying, you know, he is a crooked insurance agent, right? Yeah. I mean, this guy is not honest. Not it's not honest. like he's actually doing good insurance work right. here. It, it would have been really. I just want to say it would have been so much fun if instead of whoever British character actor they had playing that guy, it would have been Stephen Tobolowsky who played Ned Ryerson in oh, Groundhog yes. Day. Would God, that have been him. funny? Bill Carter, I thought that was you. Hi, how you doing? Thanks for watching. Hey, hey. Now, don't you tell me you don't remember me because I sure as heck fire remember you. Not a chance. <laughs> Ned Ryerson. Uh, anyway, but I'm still or kind just of... the State Farm guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or that... that lady Florence Flo. Oh, Flo, Flo the TV commercial. Sure. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> can't get, can't help you. Dragon insurance, we've got that. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, but I'm still kind of I'm, like, what? What are the yeah. many face god people doing? They're assassinating people who they don't like. I think they're like the Justice League. That's how I decided. The Justice League. Yeah, they're a Justice League. They're like carrying out justice on behalf of people who can't themselves. Don't it's, you think? I'm just saying it's a, it's a little morally questionable. It's goofy. It's a little goofy, and <laughs> although I do. Well, and this is I'm, the one I'm, morally I'm, questionable thing we have ever seen on Game of that's Thrones. True. So we should probably really hone in on it. But I, I do like this notion <laughs> that like someone has invented the insurance business in this sort of medieval fake culture. He must be immediately killed before this idea spreads. <laughs> yes, let's poison his oysters. <laughs> All right, so heading north. Now finally. <laughs> to Hard Home. Hard home. With John Snow standing in the boat, very George Washington y. Yes. He is prettier than I I'm going to say Redbeard's daughters, Tormund's daughters. <laughs> I loved how they called him pretty over and over and over It's again. a running gag. It's nice. And I kind of like it. It's great. It's yes. good. It's good. He's got those pouty lips. So that was, uh, we should say, as many people will say if you read the blogs about this, that it is a complete departure from the books. We hear of hard home in the books, right? You, hear, you, you have no idea. In just the books, something terrible in the books, there. and we're talking, and we're talking about the fifth and so far last book, Dance of Dragons. You know that the, the the surviving wildlings after the battle are up at hard home. They're in trouble, although there is no implication that they are being attacked or threatened with attack by whites or, or white walkers or others, as they're called in the book. Uh, and John uh, doesn't actually get there. Um, the the big change, and we should talk about this, is that here come the white walkers and the armies of the dead who are fast zombies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We got a hint of that last season, right? Yep. That there are these fast zombies. We hadn't seen them before. The zombies have sped up since the last time we saw them. Yeah. They're very fast. Remember them shambling toward the fist of the first man? I guess it was, was it the... <laughs> shambling. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing a little yeah, shambling gesture with my fingers. I really like your hands. It reminds me of that episode of Sir Ian McKellen on episodes when he explains acting to Ricky Gervais and goes, this is acting, Sir Ian, Sir Ian. If we were to draw a graph of my process of my method... Something like this. Sir Ian, Sir Ian, Sir Ian, action. Wizard, you shall not pass! Cut! Sir Ian, Sir Ian, Sir Ian. Sir Ian, Sir Ian, Sir Ian. Yes. I was doing Sir Ian, Sir Ian across the table. And uh, I think it was, was it episode, was it season three that ended with the army of the dead walking by Sam toward toward the, the gathering of the Fist of the First Men where all the black brothers were camped out? Who knows? But they were shambly Someone then. knows and they will tell us. I know. Thank you, <laughs> Thanks, nerds, guys. in advance. But they've sped up. Mm-hmm. The zombies. Wow. By the way, did you guys understand just the physical setup of Hardhome, that there's this sort of compound? Uh, on a cove of some in kind. In a cove with walls and a gate. And outside the gate, there were thousands more uh, wild right. things hanging yeah. out on the beach. Yeah, that point where they had to close the wall. Yeah, I did not get that the first time. There's only one establishing shot from above showing, I guess, the computer-generated model mm. of what it looks like and all the people there in the beach who were all white food at this point. Ah, oh, spooky. Great sequence. Super. I'm, you know, I had to point out the sound, the use of sound. Oh, yeah. And yeah. when it be, just became totally quiet yeah. and then the dogs barking. Oh, yeah. And otherwise just the complete silence it, was so eerie. It is, by the way, just an established fact that dogs don't like zombies. <laughs> right? I mean, they we all know this. They smell rotting things, right? Like they often like save people who have rotted diabetic toes and bite them off before they kill the rest oh, of the person. I didn't need to know that. <laughs> I, I mostly know of dogs as Thank like you, Trisha. loving I, rotting corpses. and like, oh, I'm going to uh, get all yeah, up in that. That would be hilarious. It's <laughs> like if, instead of like the classic dogs don't like zombies, which we all know yeah. from dogs all zombie literature. Zombies. It'd be like, oh, like dead people to roll in. That would be yeah, hilarious. Dogs are zombies' best friends. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so here come the zombies moving very, very quickly, which Ooh. was new, doing a lot of those piling on each other stuff that we saw, oh my God. I saw in World War Z. 
Ooh, yeah. It did kind of remind me of World War Z. Yes. I didn't see the movie, but even just reading the book, it was, yeah. Well, but so well, can I just ask a question? Yes. So no. basically, I'm going to accept whatever the answer to this is because it's Game of Thrones, but they had a very porous wooden wall that stopped yeah. what seemed to be a mystic fog of some kind that just immediately zombified everyone. Oh, what no, was, I don't, I don't well, think that was... I think was, they it, just happened to be that many of them. Yeah, because there, there were those shots, you know, as the dog started barking, there was that the sequence where, like... Um, it's like a Dementor mist. Yeah, that's, but that's what, what it I is. But that's what I mean. A mist doesn't stop at a porous wooden wall. I don't think that the mist was implied to have any magical power. I think okay. the mist just accompanied this... I mean, because there's that shot... Like the Dementors. <laughs> Shut sorry. up, Greta. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's this shot... <laughs> You're going to get in trouble for that. Okay? I know. There I am representing the patriarchy again. Look, look, she's being repressed. There's a shot where they. <laughs> There's a shot where they look up and, you know, the dogs are barking. Something's coming. And you see what looks like, as you say, this mist pouring over the mountain. But it turns out it's actually the army of the dead. Maybe they're just stirring up a lot of dust as they charge, being fast. I don't think there's any okay. implication that the mist actually turns okay. people to zombies. Yeah, I don't think anything in the air is turning them to zombies. I think yeah. it's harder for me to pick up on some of these nuances because I watched the episode on my phone. Trisha, what are you doing? That's worse. You're than watching, watching it in your phone. That's you're worse. watching it at six thirty a.m. And I, then you're supposed to come here. So, like, yeah, this is Trisha's insight in Game of Thrones. All the people are very tiny. <laughs> It's interesting that so many things are happening, and yet the people are so tiny. (laughs) Game of Thrones is a show about tiny people. Tiny. On your phone? On your phone. No, it's it's just, it's the, you know. That's like when you told me you were editing sound using the trackpad on your laptop. Oh, Lord. That happened for like a year. You raised a really interesting point, which I want to get back to. Did I? You did. One of the things that they have changed from the books is that they have made the threat of the White Walkers and... They're armies of the dead. Oh, yeah. Trish actually made that oh, point made the drive-in. Oh, in, in, but you yeah. – all right. So you guys drove in together and, and Trisha we like, said it. And nothing read. matters because White Walkers. Exactly right. Because one of the things that pops up in the books is every now and then somebody says, you guys, you kings, we're having all these wars. You are like completely missing the point. Uh, I think somebody says to Ned Stark or Rob Stark early on, don't march south. March north. Yeah. That's your problem. Yep. But everybody ignores it because the threat of the others, as they're called in the book, although they're introduced, the very first chapter, the very first book, yes. is really in the background. So now here we have foregrounded White Walkers and dead people, which raises a couple of questions. First of all, why in the world, even if you're an obnoxious then, would you ever resist the notion of getting the hell out of hard home if you know what's waiting for you coming over the mountains, if you've seen it, yeah. as they all apparently yeah. have? You know, at one point, the, the cool woman who we were referring to earlier, does she even have a name? She didn't even stick around long enough to be, have a name. She did in the closed captionings, but I can't remember what oh. it was. Kali uh, or something. Something like that. She says, you have no hope against the White Walkers. You can run from them, maybe. So leave. So these guys, I mean, the, 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 the people, the wildings who refused to go with Jon Snow were, I mean, were not being, shall we say, rational in their yeah. own interests. Yeah. But the second point is, as you say, with this army of the dead coming from the north, all the stuff that we've been talking yeah. about and watching for five seasons is irrelevant. Yeah. The wheel, all... like, fuck the wheel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're well, all about to be killed by this insatiable army of the dead. That's not a good thing. My mom, my mom, not Greta's mom, yes. has not been watching <laughs> Game of Thrones. And she said, what is this thing that people love so much that you're doing this whole podcast about it? And I said, well, basically, it's a political soap opera where people are fighting to see who gets to sit in the chair once they get killed by ice zombies. <laughs> exactly. Like, that's who's going to be sitting thing. there? Yeah, who's going to be in the Iron Throne? Was your mom worried about your career? Was this like, <laughs> you still have time for law school conversation, <laughs> Trisha? No, she's now watching the show. We've got her hooked. Oh, good. It's all but good it is now. true. It kind of, it's like, <laughs> oh my God, what, none of this stuff matters. Well, yeah. and it's funny because, you know, I've heard you make that point before. And it wasn't really until this episode where I really got it, you know, and I think it's when a lot of the characters finally got it, too, of like, oh, this is a very real threat. Yeah. And if it hadn't like, been made real by John's right very good life. speech, he gave a very good speech. That was a that very room. good speech. He did. He did a good, he did good leading in that there, moment. There, there have been moments, there were two or three of them in this episode where people have to stand up and make people agree to things by speech, by saying, I'm going to lay out an argument that will make you believe me. And that is a hard thing to write and perform, and these guys consistently carry it off. I thought his speech was very good as well. The fact that good. he didn't lie about the f- that yes. he killed Mance, I thought was really important. Yes, I thought good. that was a very good well moment. Done. Yeah. <laughs> I also, it was one of those moments, though, 
what do we what's the phrase you use when it just feels like they're using too uh, modern of language Anachronism. oh yeah there yes. were yeah when he goes i killed mance and everybody goes rum, 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 and redbeard goes hey 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 i also like the way that uh, a couple things i love the way that redbeard dealt with the lord of bones <laughs> yep Quack, 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 quack. Yeah, that was incredible. All right, let's go talk. <laughs> uh, also, again, I've said this before, but really, the Wildings, they they went to the same schools in England. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's just so weird that they travel all the way and they find these exotic-looking people, including that one guy who's wearing some sort of skull on his face, and they all sound like they're from the same neighborhood of London. Hello, hello, how are you? You're a Wilding. <laughs> I'm a black brother. Hello. <laughs> I still think the best anachronism, though, and just the best line in general, was that giant. Oh, the giant was In the awesome. old tongue saying, Dang. the fuck you looking at? No, he didn't. He said, fuck you looking at. He did not say, the fuck you I looking at. I think he said, the fuck. He didn't. That's what made we'll it genius. It. That's what Listeners, made it genius. It was the fuck. It no, still it was wasn't not. what the fuck, No, but no it was the it fuck. It was not what the fuck. It was not the fuck. It was fuck you looking WTF. at. WTF. Which was okay? so awesome. <laughs> And I'm worried about the giant because he's like awesome. my favorite new character. Oh, my God. I think he's in my great. Recap, Stomping giant. In my recap, it's just giant stomp. Some other stuff happens. Zombie kids are a bummer. And then it just says <laughs> giant is over it. That's <laughs> yeah. what I wrote when he was like, yeah, I'm done. I'm getting in the water. So you know, you, w- me. you went to bed in your footy jammies and Judy Bloom at 9 o'clock. Yeah. I watched the show <laughs> twice, went to bed at 1130 and lay there for half an See? hour thinking about how the giant was going to get into the ship. Yeah, I was how? worried. No, the giant is going to just walk through the, the giant water. cannot walk through the water the whole way. He's got to get onto a ship. How is he going to do that without pulling the ship See, over? See, I slept so much better than you did, Peter. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking they could rig up a thing with ropes, maybe. I'm. This is what I worry about, because I, I like the giant. One, does he do like a water skiing situation with a foot in each of the little boats? No, okay. man, that's not going to work. I think he has to walk. I think what you do is... Well, if he you, you grab onto a boat and try to pull himself up, he'd pull the boat over. If you put some ropes from one you boat really over, spend I spent all night this. thinking about this because I'm worried about the giant. <laughs> I like the giant. The I giant was great. The giant was really good. Trisha, I noticed in your notes you asked if people can swim or not and if that's why they're so worried about getting in the boats. No, not can people swim. So oh, we have the these horrible, mystical zombies and White Walkers and they all just stop sense. at the water's edge. So can they not swim? That and if so, that's dumb. They should be able to swim. I did think that it was especially like to see the way they captured the desperation in that scene of the wildlings running into the water. Yes. Like to think about how cold that water would be Mm -hmm. if it is snowing. Yes. But that they would rather freeze to death in that water. They did a good job of showing how chaotic and scary that fight would be because you have all these people – who don't? Who aren't people or are dead, and they're very hard to tell apart from the living because a lot of them used to be wildlings, and you can't really check the guy who's running at you and deciding, well, is he rotting at all? How rotting is he rotting, or is he just has not bathed in a, his entire life? I can't really. Oh, too late, I'm dead. <laughs> yep. It was. It was. It was. Yep. It, was a, it was a very scary scene, and and uh, and I, I am very thankful for one little thing, which probably no one else cared about. Uh, uh, five years ago, I was hit by a car, and I. I broke a couple of bones on my back. And ever since then, I have been very impatient with TV shows or movies that show people having moderate to serious falls and then get up, brush themselves off Mm. and walk away because Mm. it doesn't work like that. And when Jon Snow was thrown off the thing by the White Walker and hit the ground about 15 feet below and he got up and he went, oh, yeah, that was another moment with the sound. Thank you. He is hurt now because that Hurt. I appreciate you pointing that out. And then he got up and he ran and he fought and it was fine. But thank you for taking a moment to show that it hurts when you fall from about 15 feet onto the ground. Thank you. You're welcome, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> and it just goes to show you that you cannot kill the zombie corpse guys unless you burn them because they can all hurl themselves off a cliff and then dust themselves off yes. and come try to kill you again. Do you want to get into some zombie stuff? Yep. In the book World War Z, <laughs> the zombies can swim. It's not so much they can swim. It's that they can't drown because they're right. dead. So yeah. they go into so the they, water yeah. and they just swim around. And there are some very creepy scenes in the book of people trying to swim for ships and being pulled down into the depths by zombies. Yeah, because these zombies, these corpsey zombies, not the White Walkers as a type of creature. You know what it is? What? They just ate. They have to wait an hour before they go into the water. <laughs> Otherwise, they'll have zombie cramps. Horrible. <laughs> but are they actually? They'll have Jewish mothers. <laughs> Nobody. There's a Jewish dead zombie mother. Nobody go in the water, whites, because you're going to get a cramp. 
<laughs> okay, but are they actually eating flesh? They're not flesh-eating zombies. They're not eating... No. Right? They're just attacking. They're just attacking. They're, they're, they're the they're skeletons sort of, and Jason and the Argonauts. They are. <laughs> they are. But they seem to be just sort of magically possessed corpses that do the will of their masters. And there's that great moment uh, as, as John and his skeleton crew huh, are leaving and the last survivors are killed by the whites where the like there's a shot of like a white killing stabbing some person some formerly living person and then just sort of stopping his arms just fall to his sides because he's his he doesn't know what to do he's his purpose has been fulfilled he's been sent to kill humans he's killed all the humans he's got nothing left to do <sighs> and then spooky. Super the spooky. internet immediately made the appropriate meme which is the king of the night the night Knight's king. king is what they call the night's king Raising his arms to raise yeah. his new dead army yeah. and saying, come at me, crow. Yeah. <laughs> come at me, Did crow. Did you guys find him a little silly looking for supposedly the terrifying uber villain? Yeah. He, I mean. He's got the little crown built into his head, which is convenient. <laughs> yeah. How good. does that happen? If you get elected, if, you know, it's like, oh, look, I grew a crown. Yeah, he just soldered it to but his he just, skull. But he just, he looked a little, he looked a little silly, I yeah. thought. He was a little, little scrawny for a knight's king. Yeah. Although yeah. the four horsemen was very subtle. Oh, yes. Four yeah. horsemen on the ledge. Yeah. We have, a, we have a feeling that this doesn't end well. Here's a thought for the White Walkers who might be listening, because apparently it's been established they can reanimate the White any, Walkers who might, might be listening. Be listening. Yes, they yeah. listen. He, we've talked to Danny before. It's reasonable the White, White Walkers, Walkers listen are listening. To. That they can reanimate any, like, living creature because they, they're riding rotting horses and there's implications that they can, like, do bears or even a giant. Squirrels. <laughs> Seriously. Think how many squirrels. Oh, my if God. If you sent an uh. army of, like, a million reanimated squirrels. What are the humans going to do? That sounds There's like a nothing. plague. There's nothing. That is terrifying. Fall before them. Yeah. The horde of undead squirrels. <laughs> also chipmunks. You know, corgis too, man. Yes. <laughs> I think I think you're, having met your corgi, the rea- I don't want to, I, 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 not yours. Yours will live forever, but a reanimated <laughs> corgi. Ah. <laughs> So funny. Uh, I'm going to bite you. <laughs> so going back through these notes, there is one thing that I feel like we probably should have mentioned. Which is? And I just want to like avert the angry tweets if we possibly can. We never can. But. Which is Sansa's realization that Bran and Rickon yes. are still alive. They're out, out there, there somewhere. We yeah, game seen them changer all for her because she yeah. felt completely alone in the world. Well, well, it's, it's well, how is it a game changer for her? What can she actually do with that knowledge? She doesn't know where they are. She just knows that she has two siblings still alive, which she did not know. Well, three, because only one episode ago did she know that John was oh, that's true. alive yeah, at the wall. she's a lot of things. Yeah, she thinks there are no more Starks, and there are still several Starks out there. Yeah. I'm not sure that it really changes things for her in terms of what she knows, but I do think that those two are going to play into how to save the North. From the White Walkers. Do you think that Bran and Rickon, which we last saw at the end of last season up with the Children of the Forest and the Ray Harryhausen skeletons, <laughs> do you think that they are going to play a role in the climax of this season? So there's a theory going around online that because Bran would now know how to see through the weir trees. Yeah, weirwoods. Through the weirwood trees that he saw the wedding to Ramsay and knows that she's in trouble already. And if he's gotten better, right, like we don't know, but he's gotten better at being able to see through animals and through other things. And so he may have a... What are those called? What? Weirwoods? Green seers? The people who can go into other people's bodies. Those are called skin changers. You know, it's funny. uh, You were talking about these people who are coming up with these elaborate theories of how this is going to play out because of green seers and weirwoods. And the first thing I wanted to say is, wow, those people need to get a life. (laughs) He said in a studio yeah, really, talking Peter? for an hour really? about an episode of television. Really, Peter? About how the giant, whose name we don't even know, is going to be safe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that's important. <laughs> but yeah, so they are going to come back to Winterfell. She has a sense now of that there still are enough Starks and enough family. I mean, her little brothers, she thought were dead. Now they're alive. That's just emotionally yeah, important to a character. I think it could just be enough hope. I don't know that yeah. they'll actually like have anything to do with saving yeah. her. They certainly could. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And we're really know. talking about Bran because Rickon is a twerp. <laughs> what has Rickon done? He's like five years old. He's older now. He's older now. He has that going for him. Yes, he's slightly less twerpish. <laughs> and in the books, right, uh, Rickon is the sort of uh, surly one whose direwolf gets in trouble a lot, 
right? Yes. Well, that's because he's in the book when you meet him, he's I think four. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. He's like a, he's the baby. He names his dog Shaggy Dog. <laughs> Really? It's cute. Uh, adorable. Uh, so should we shift over to voicemails? Is it time? I think yep. it is time. Okay. Lots of conjecture about Stannis on the internet. Yeah, which who we didn't even see in this episode. I know. Right? But He's there's still the something coming. That and more when Nerdette Recaps returns. are listening to Nerdat Recaps Game of Thrones with Peter Sagal. I am Greta Johnson here with two people who are looking at their phones. Oh, I guess just one person. No, I was looking at my script thoughtfully. You were looking at your script. I, for, I just saw you looking down and assumed it was at a screen. I never pay attention when either of you are talking. <laughs> That's why everyone loves you so much, Peter. <laughs> we should right. just have like a little jingle for the patriarchy. We should, yeah, like a little, like, don't worry, everyone, Peter's kidding. He doesn't mean <laughs> No, I don't actually, I'm not actually as awful He's as I like. He's trying to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> be patient with him. It's early in the morning. All right, so we got some really wonderful voicemails about all sorts of different things. Peter, this one is perhaps the least actually analytical, but I thought it would probably be your favorite. So here we go. This is Mike. My one thing about the cheesy uh, booby explosion thing that happened to Bronn this week, to me, the funniest part of that was the sisters, right? The way they kept doing all the eye rolling. So I think that may have kind of mitigated the cheesy aspect of it because you got a little bit of that kind of cool feeling like, oh, God, here she goes again. So, I don't know. Anyway, I'm also just happy that, that Bronn lives. So, you know, I, I can overlook cheesiness or make sure Bronn lives. I agree that we're all willing to accept a certain amount of cheese if it means Braun goes on to, to, to sing and, and, and do the other cool <laughs> things he says. I did not notice the, the eye rolling in the back of the cell with the other sisters. I'll probably have to watch that scene a few more times. I did, and I watched it on my phone, so your previous argument is moot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I did not notice the eye rolling, but yeah, I, I, still, I, I think that there would have to be a lot of eye I think. I think the only thing that would make that scene acceptable <laughs> would be if the sister, one of the sisters, the other Sand Snakes, turned to the camera and said, we just want you to know, this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> or what if one of them started flipping out because her eyes got stuck in the back of her head because she rolled them so like, hard. Ah, She's like, oh my God, oh the my eye God. roll. Somebody slapped her in the back while yeah. she was rolling her eyes yeah. and her face stuck that way. Don't you think that would have done it? I feel like that could have worked. A good try, though. <laughs> voicemail lever. Good try. All right, so here's Eve from San Diego. I have to say I agree with this one very much. Just wanted to leave a message to talk about the death of Joffrey and upcoming, hopefully, death of Ramsey. And when Peter said that we probably felt a little bad for Joffrey with his choking, and, you know, it wasn't bad enough for me. I wanted him to be tortured for a very long time, and a quick, poisonous death, to me, did not seem like enough. And so that's what I'm really worried about with Ramsey, is that his death is going to be too quick, and it's going to be over really fast, but I want real retribution. You know, what, what he did to others should be done right back to him. I don't usually feel that way, but it's a TV show, so I feel pretty justified. Thanks. Love the show. Thank you, Eve. This is a funny thing. I think I know Eve. Oh, really? Yeah, the reason I think I know Eve is because, A, I have a friend named Eve in San Diego. Okay. And they're granted, there's more than one Eve, but I happen to know that because this Eve tweeted that she's listening to the podcast. So the chances are good. And if this is you, Eve, hello, Eve. I, I met Eve on a, on a nerd cruise, the Joko Cruise Crazy. And I happen to know that Eve is asthmatic. And if it's not even the thing that the Eve that I think I know, there's what, 90% oh chance God. that anybody listening Most to the show Eves is asthmatic, asthmatic right? Oh my God. So Seriously? <laughs> imagine you're asthmatic, or if you've ever had asthma, you know what it's like not to be able to breathe. Okay? So go back, if you really want to enjoy yourself, watch the what they call the purple wedding, Joffrey's wedding where he dies, and just watch that sequence because he chokes over a long time. Yeah. And he can't breathe. And he knows he can't breathe. And he knows he's dying because he can't breathe. And that's pretty bad. 
And so I disagree that his uh, exit from this stage could have been worse. It was pretty bad. I think it could have been a lot worse for him. And I think it probably should be. And I think it definitely needs to be with Ramsey. And we did actually get another caller who has expressed similar concerns about Cersei and her death. That, that won't be bad enough. That won't. Yes, that that won't guys, be bad enough. And guys. she also did the whole like, I know this is horrible for me to say, but it's in the show. And Game of Thrones taught me to behave this way. <laughs> she <laughs> oh, did great. blame Game of Thrones. I hope that doesn't make me a bad person or, or, or with no emotion. But I guess maybe that's the way Game of Thrones has made me now. Yeah. To which I say, shows like Game of Thrones and Breaking Bad and Dexter are not popular because they made you this way. You were already yes, this way. They, they reach into you <laughs> and they bring out that person. Can you guys ever think? Can you guys think of a death uh, on a TV show or film that was really satisfying that made you go, "Yay! I am so glad that person got." I mean, beaten up or I kind of felt that or... way about the Red Wedding. I was very satisfied with the Red Wedding. You were. I was. I was delighted. What? Yeah, what? It's like finally but something are... is happening in this show. But, they're, but those are all no. nice people. Yeah, but it still moved the story forward. In so a very you're a monster. Way. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I thought we clarified we're all monsters. We're all story. monsters. I'm just thinking in general. I mean, the, the idea of the cathartic yeah. death for the villain. And I'm wondering if that's ever been really effective. Have you ever, maybe people felt this way about Joffrey going? I don't know. Let's pose the question. Yeah. I think uh, that would and, be interesting. And we'll to expand hear. it to all of film and TV or pop culture, books if you like, if you're still reading those things. <laughs> Have you ever come across a death that made you stand up and cheer when they got their comeuppance as opposed to go, oh. That is a really good question. 312-948-4687 is the number to call to leave a voicemail. Can we do one more? Do we have time? Let's Should do we it. go? One more. I got, okay. I got nothing else to do. <laughs> so this is Todd from Cleveland. He is theorizing about Stannis and what's going to happen with the maybe sacrifice of his daughter. I don't think Stannis is going to wind up sacrificing his daughter. However, I think the mother is going to go, the child's mother is going to go behind Stannis' back and work with Melisandre to sacrifice the daughter because it's already been established the mother does not like the daughter. I, I think that's possible. I think it's probably I, pretty I, good. I think actually. it's a cheesy out for the writers. I yeah. think that they have set up Stannis, all of our conversation about Stannis. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Ugh, Stannis. <laughs> all you. that thing has been about bringing Stannis to the moment of decision. And a choice like that on the writer's behalf, if they say, OK, what we're going to do is we're going to take the choice out of his hands and have somebody else do it without his knowledge or agreement, yeah. would mean that presumably if there's a benefit to her death, i.e. Melisandre's black magic works, he gets the benefit without having to make the choice, which I think would be a poor poor outcome for this particular story problem. I think he's got to make a choice. Either he has to save his daughter, potentially at the cost of his own life and ambitions, or he's got to sacrifice his daughter in order to get what he thinks he wants and do the greater good. And he's got to do one of those things. Otherwise, as I have said before, I will be mad. I want him to save his daughter and then lose and die as a hero. I think that would be perfect. And then we'd be done with Stannis. No more Stannis. Who are you going to hate next year? Do you know <laughs> I Stannis? Know. I have somebody. We'll find somebody. <laughs> we shall see who will get the best dad mug next season, if that happens, because it certainly won't be Stannis anymore. That is it for this week. Thank you, Peter, as always, for joining us. Thank you, ladies, for indulging me. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Nerd at Recaps Game of Thrones with Peter Seigel. As we've mentioned, we would love for you to join the conversation. Ask us a question. Tell us what you think will happen by the end of this season. Let us know. 312-948-4687. You can find us online at wbez.org slash Recaps. We are at Nerd at Podcast on Twitter, and he is at Peter Seigel. The show is produced by us with help from our WBEZ cohort, especially Joe Dassault and Brad Helm. Our theme music was composed by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music. Chicago Public Media creates award-winning content about the issues that affect nerds like you. More information is available at chicagopublicmedia.org. Thanks for listening. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.